My name is Jack from Chicago, and this is Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number 164. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. It's episode number 164. And uh, Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom. That's you, sweetie. It is. And a logical and practical dad. That's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 10, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. Don't forget, sweetie, the better, uh, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I don't forget that. Do not ever forget that. That is the essence of our existence. That's right. I feel like that's what everything we do or practice or we're trying to create. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, 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 do. Remember that part in Rocky Three <laughs> where Rocky's singing to Adrian? It's not do, 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 do. It's do, 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 do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so topics of this week. We're going to talk about respecting, the difference between respecting the ocean and fearing the ocean. Yeah, very different things. And we're also going to talk about Greeley, our rabbit. Um, and how we have to respect his rabbitness. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about our oldest daughter, JC, who's going through some changes. Well, I think we're going to talk about pre-adolescence. Yeah. And she's going from being her, who she used to be to who she is going to be. I know, but you just brought this up to me and you said, should we talk about this? I said, well, I really don't want to focus on JC. I just want to talk about well, pre-adolescence. That's, that's the trigger for it. Okay. You didn't say don't bring up her name. No, did that's you? true. No, I did not. I just don't think. So am I that... in trouble right now? Yes. Like, why would you be in trouble? What does that even mean? Got in trouble last week. For what? I Remember, forgot. We had to stop our show. Oh yeah. Well, that's because you were you were nitpicking. I know. You weren't. You were not. Um, what was? What's the word? You were not believing in what I was saying. I was. I had a different take. You had a different take. But we're not going to talk about that because <laughs> I don't want to stop the show again. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to talk about Let It Go, Let It Go. Why don't you play it instead of sing it? Because I don't have it queued up. Oh, well, I'll... that's too bad. You're too bad. Um, and you, you know what's funny about that is I think Skyler's going to see that movie again. What movie? Maybe some people out there don't know oh, what you're talking about. Frozen, which, you know, we've talked about Frozen on the show three times, I think. It obviously hit see, be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Okay, we'll play more of it later. I don't want to... I don't want to take up too much well, time. Well, I was going to say, Frozen has been interesting to me because, you know, we have obviously discussed how meaningful it is and how, you know, the focus on love in a different way, self-love, love of family, sisters, um, kind of, you know, dinging the princes for a, for a movie. But I think that it's had growth. Mm-hmm. I think that people saw it and they loved it, but it's growing. Right. I think it's bigger. Like, I think that after you see it and think about it and contemplate it, maybe it's just because there haven't been that many movies in the theater. Besides, the Lego movie just came out. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's, you know, like my children have seen this movie like three or four times in the theater. That's unheard of. I, know. I can't even think of a movie. It's a raging success. It's a raging success. And they're making a stage musical out of it. Can't wait. A Broadway musical. That's when I stay home and you go. You would love it, which is what you're going to talk about. You know, my problem is it's like 80 bucks a seat. And I'm like, I just don't think I (laughs) love it $80 worth. Yeah. Plus, I have some downtime. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I, everything you're saying. It's it, an escape for me. This it is a little bit of an escape, but I also think escape. Escape. What's that from, sweetie? Effect. Don't say it. Mm. Well, that'll be our movie trivia, people. I've sent people pens from 
Krabby Snacks and Homemades. Dad. I still haven't sent that to him. You haven't done that yet? I'm working on it. Okay. Well, one person says you didn't have to. So what's – I'm going to send it to her too. So escape. Escape. What's that from? I think a lot of people – I don't know if we have enough pens. <laughs> so maybe I'll just – How about we'll say first three or first two? Or I'll, Yeah, first three. Or I'll just break a note and say thanks for listening. <laughs> So first it was a gift. Now it's just a note, maybe, <laughs> if I have time. And then last, we have the Oscars coming up. Oh, boy. This is when Kathy really likes this is to Ka- shine. This is Kathy's Super Bowl. This is this is my Super Bowl, and it has been my whole life, and I like to beat Todd. We can do And it. I have every year. I know. Except for the year that Todd changed the point system so he could win. He, like, weighted certain... We could do a whole show. Uh, fine. I'm going to say it. I'm going to okay. talk about you, it right now. You do it. Here's the deal. Okay. I can go to usatoday.com or I can Google um, odds of Oscar winners. Right. Without doing any research, I right. could just cheat and go. Right. And put myself in a position to be just as likely to win as you. So my thing is weight the categories and if you pick an underdog, it's actually worth more. Here's the thing that you don't understand, that you understand this about sports, and maybe I don't, but I understand this about Oscars. I don't just go to a magazine or USA Today and pick what they said. I go by historical things, like, for example, Best Supporting Actress, They t- it tends to be a, a Everything crap you're about to say is built into the odds maker's understanding. So I can. But who is the odd? You're saying odds maker, like there's one guy out there. People who are experts at predicting. I know, but Entertainment Weekly says something different than USA Today, and Time Magazine says something different than People. Everybody has a different take on it. So there is no one thing. There is a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. But I feel like I've clued into probably the most important, you know, the people who are truly voting, who are saying, you know, like, for example, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. They are a better. Um, what's Are the you word? giving all your secrets away? No, but Screen Actors Guild has... They're a better predictor of who's going to win the Oscar. Because there's a lot more people who are part of the Academy that are part of the SAG than Golden Globes is random. Okay, so we're off We're off on a tangent. Okay, it's, Here, but it's my super... Here's the thing. Um, it's boring. Everybody's going to pick the most likely people to win. That's no fun. It's more fun to pick an underdog and get more points for it. So in other words, if you pick who's supposed, who's the most obvious winner of this year's Oscars? You know, it's tough. Is it McConaughey? But I think McConaughey. McConaughey? I think Jared Leto probably. Okay, so let's say Jared Leto's the most. Everybody's going to pick him. Right. Boring. But not everybody because some people show up, kind of like you're having a poker game. Yeah. And people show up and say, hey, I'll play. And they don't know. Do you know what I mean? They don't know that Jared Leto is most Thereby likely. giving them no chance of winning. They may get the random ones. And my point is if they pick that random one, they should be awarded or rewarded for a more points. So in other words, if you pick an underdog, you get more points versus picking the favorite. But then how do I win? So anyways, so we are inviting our listeners to join with us. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so it's going to be in our show notes, but basically all you have to do is either click on the link in the show notes or you can click on the sign up link on, on our webpage. How are we doing this? Have you created this? I'm working oh, on I it. Oh, I like this, Todd. This is good. So there's an orange box on our webpage and it's like a sign up to our new our feed so you can get your um, our show directly to your inbox. So this is our way of bribing you to ah, to join it. Got it. So go to either click on the link on the show notes or go to the orange box on zen parenting radio and i'll send you instructions on how to get in and if you're the winner then we're going to give a 20 dollars amazon 
gift card away. So we're going to give something other than a Zen Parenting shirt. Yes. Yes. We're going to give you a $20 gift card to Amazon. Because we only have extra larges left. I know. They're night shirts. That's what I call them now. I wear them all the time. I know you do. How's that phone working? I'm sorry. I'm turning it off. Um, So... And there might be multiple winners, so I, we need to come up with a tiebreaker because we can't give 20 bucks to every single person who gets the same amount of points. True. So, anyways, so our first partner is HunterYoga.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. Slash Zen. Correct. And Hunter does this uh, 28-day immersion. It's yoga for adults, and it's a 28 days, and she just finished her first one about a week or two ago. She has another one coming up on March 24th. And it's more than just yoga. It's self-care. It's emails every day. There's Mm -hmm. a really nice focus on making yourself a priority. So a few testimonials from people who took the one that was in January. Uh, The one mom says it was encouraging, good explanations, positive attitude, help build energy and strength. That's pretty good. The next one says, it gave me that small but important period of time in my day to focus on me, my body, my breathing, and stilling my mind. Makes all the difference. Last but not least, one student recommended any other stressed out parents who are pressed for time because having even just a a little me time will make a big difference. Okay. So uh, hunteryoga.com slash zen. Check them out. So we have a big show planned. Okay, go, go. So let's first start about, we had a conversation about the ocean. Yes. And we... I wrote something about the ocean. You did? Where? Yeah. Uh, My last blog. On Chicago Parent or on your... No, no, uh, not Chicago Parent. It was my blog on the BU blog, and it was about my experience with the ocean and that um, it made me feel small mm. and then oh, yeah, it made that me one. feel big. Yeah, 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 that one. But that wasn't necessarily where we're going with because we're talking about respect versus fear. Respecting the ocean versus being fearful of. You know what? And I'm I'm not trying to make Are this you difficult. Nitpicking? No. That's what I wrote about, sweetheart. If you read the blog I thought it was about getting uh carrying vacation mode into It was, but the, what I my point from looking at the ocean was when I was a kid I would get pulled under by the oh, ocean. Yeah, 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 that's right. Remember? But there was so there's multi layers in that block because what I pulled out of it is I'm bringing some of this vacation home with me. Well, that was kind of the gist. That was the gist too. But it was about how the ocean, how dealing with life is metaphorical, gotcha. like dealing with the ocean. And I don't remember. I didn't recall that. Part. That's all right. So, um, so uh, I have um, a pretty big fear of the ocean, and mm-hmm. I always kind of get stressed out whenever I'm by water with the girls. Yeah. Even though I'm a good swimmer now. Because I had a really close call in Mexico when I was like 23. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, And the reason you had a close call is because Todd grew up in swimming pools and lakes. Yeah, Lake Michigan and swimming pools. And I could always you know, get myself to safety. And the ocean is a it's completely a different, animal. different animal. It's literally alive. It's literally alive. And it breathes. And it has periods of the day are different. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I got pulled under in the riptide. And I almost gave up trying to get back to the beach. Mm, I can't stand that story. You know I can't stand that story. I know. So I'm going to move past it. So really the ocean is the catalyst to talking about the difference between respecting something and fearing something Mm -hmm. because I have a fear of Mm -hmm. the ocean and there's a part of me that wants to instill this fear into our daughters so they don't make the same mistake I did, which Mm -hmm. is go swimming at 4 o'clock in the afternoon without any lifeguards or anything else Mm -hmm. around. Um, so my question to you, because you're the parenting expert, is how do we – I don't want to use fear as my tactic, right. but it's the easiest, quickest, and in my opinion, most effective way. Like if I told that story to my girls, I think that would be 
um, they'd it was be something they remember really yeah, easily. That story carries an energy, probably just because it's you and I love you, and so. But I, it just scares me to death because that whole idea of being like, okay, I'm going to give up. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that's called hopelessness. Right. That's a scary feeling. But it's interesting because it's all about what you know. I think when you're a kid, and my experience was, I grew up in swimming pools and the ocean because I had my aunt live, living in Florida, so we were there a lot, and. I nobody instilled fear in me about the ocean. There were first of all adults watching, so the whole idea of going out when there's nobody around to help you, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an issue. And so I understood that I couldn't go swimming without an adult. So there's one difference right there. Right. But the other one is that that like what we just said, the ocean is a living, breathing thing, and you you respect its oceanness. Right. Meaning that you know we talked about even though I don't have all this anymore in my head, um, there are times of the day that the tide is stronger. Right. There you know you have an understanding of how the ocean moves and how you deal with waves. And what I wrote about is that as a kid, I just dove into those waves. I played in those waves. And sometimes the wave would take you under. Mm -hmm. And what I learned to do as a kid is I never liked it, but you just kind of surrender to it and it pushes you back up to the top. Right. After you scrape your butt on the ground and, you know, get sand in your mouth. The gravelly gravelly. sand. Yeah. It's not a fun thing, but you push your, it pushes you back up to the top. You breathe and you play again. That's something I just did as a kid. So I understand that, respect that. And it doesn't, frighten me, even though I think as an adult, it might be a little more tumultuous because, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, as a kid, you're so little. And, um, but my point is, is that I think with our kids, there's that middle road where we do tell them these things. The ocean is a living, breathing thing. Not only that, there are living, breathing things inside the ocean. You have to be conscious of what's there. You can't swim alone. You need to be with friends. You need to be with your family. We need to know where you are. You need to listen, um, all those things. But if they, but the truth is, is that Going underwater and, and having a, an issue like that, being pulled under by the tide and it pushing you back up, is an experience. You know what I mean? It's not something I wish for my kids. I do. And I, I, my baggage with this story is I wasn't getting pulled under. I was getting pulled into the ocean right. without knowing it. Well, here's a few things. Number one, like you said, I know you had your two guy friends there, but they were doing their own thing too. You were alone. Yeah. You were not knowledgeable about the, the no, ocean. Not even close. You were out there at a time that the tide pulls you out. You didn't know what to do. See, you've told the story to people now and they say, oh, here's what you do. Yeah, you swim on you an angle. angle. You right. swim angle. So you didn't have education. Right. And that's the thing is all of a sudden we'll have a fear and we'll say the ocean sucks when really that's an opportunity to learn more about the ocean. Some people go that way. Yeah. Some people, when they have something happen to them that's really scary or extreme, they get really driven to learn more about that thing. Right. You know, they're like, this really frightened me. And I really like, for example, I think a lot, you know, this is kind of a weird example. But when I was in school for social work, uh, there was kind of a weeding out process in the first year. Right. Because a lot of people who dive into social work are people who have a lot of issues and who kind of just want to self-understand. And I think we all have that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to that. But there's some people that they really shouldn't be going into it as a profession. Teaching what you want to learn to, to the To extreme. an extreme. Right. So, you know, we all sometimes go toward what we don't understand. Right. Um, you know, like Jill Bolte-Taylor, that, who we talked about a few weeks ago, the reason she became a brain scientist is because her brother had schizophrenia. Right. It scared she her. She didn't it. understand it. She wanted to understand it. So these are extreme examples. But the point is, is that there's somewhere in the middle. Our girls have been in the ocean plenty of times. And there have been times I've let them go further with you and Drew, Mm -hmm. that's our brother-in-law, where they were like kind of on a sandbar, they're further, because I know you guys are there, and I can hear you still. Right. 
you know what I mean? Like someone yelled. Yeah, I think my biggest thing with the ocean is as a kid, you get so, I mean, when you hop in a pool and you don't know how to swim, you kind of, that's very scary. But once they overcome those fears and you're in a pool, you're so confident. Like, you know that everything is fine. right? And then same as if you go to Lake Michigan. So it's just weird because you're like, oh, water, water. What's the difference between this water and right. that water? And there's a huge difference. Huge difference, yes. And I think, you know, I think I'm answering my own question. I need to educate them right. on the differences. Absolutely. Instead of me strike fear into them with my one story. It's the balance. Like one of the my favorite master classes on OWN is with Laird Hamilton, mm-hmm. who is a surfer. And oh my gosh, he just watching that, because I don't know anything about surfing, hearing him talk about the water and waves and his love of the ocean and what it gives him. And this is a dude who rides waves that he calls dinosaurs that are so huge that, you know, they're like Point Break waves. Remember in Point Break? Johnny Utah. (laughs) Johnny Utah. Um, They're redoing Point Break, by the way. Can't wait. Do you really think that movie should be redone? I think Point Break uh, is classified as one of those really good, bad movies. It is because the dialogue is so bad. I know. Patrick Swayze. And just that his name is Johnny Utah. Yeah. Isn't he a football player before he becomes a detective? Yeah, and like they don't know it and then they play football on the beach and he's like really good. Really good. Of course. It's like a a high school movie set in Surfer. And then, you know, and it's Patrick Swayze and they're... They're Gary bank Busey. robbers. Is it Gary Busey? Yeah, and he's kind of funny in the movie. He is funny. He's not as nuts as he usually is, but they're bank robbers and they wear masks. Everyone's probably seen it. Anyway. Most of them do. Todd and I laugh at that movie. So, but the point is, is that if Laird Hamilton, you know, he goes out there and does that every day, six hours a day, and he has learned how to respect the ocean, that's not us and that's not your average person. But, you know, it's not the tide that's going to kill you. Right. It's the unawareness of what the ocean is that can harm you. And isn't that the truth about everything, Todd? Well, and um, what was I about to say? Um, the anxiety um, did not serve me. Right. When I was in there struggling, if I would have been calm yes. and known what was going on, yes. I never would have been in danger. Like if you if you were in the ocean and you were like, ooh, I'm getting pulled out, time to go diagonal. Right. You know, time to, you know, relax and swim. Because that was my thing as a kid. When I'd get pulled under... You surrender to it. You yes. almost like go in, in circles. Right. Like I remember being almost going in like backwards somersaults. Right. And then you go up to the top. And I trusted that. Right. I think as an adult, because like I said, I don't know if I would be um, as trusting, but I still go in the ocean mm-hmm. occasionally, not yeah. as much as I used to. Um, so I think we're good. Okay. So do you feel clear? I do feel, I think it's like to your point, a balance between the two. It, there is. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, we at this point of the show, I usually recite a few um, reviews we got on iTunes. Okay. No new reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, go ahead and give us a review, and then you won't make me do this. Actually, I'll do this instead. Yay! But, and so we can explain to people. The reason that reviews are helpful is because if you there, if you have more reviews, and again, a few shows ago, Todd was like, give us whatever review you want. No. I still think that that's... Well, but what's helpful is if you get five-star reviews, then more people are drawn to the show. Sweetie, what about agree to disagree? I know. We've already gone through that My one. My friend Brian says that to me. I know. Agree to disagree. It's, it depends on how you say it, but it's kind of a smart-alecky way of saying you're wrong and I'm right. Exactly. Um. We were going to talk about Greeley in the same way as the nah, ocean. Forget about Greeley. Really? Fine. Greeley, go. 
Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, so the thing about Greeley with the Ocean Who's Greeley, Greeley? Our, he's our rabbit that we love. He, one thing that we have said to the girls a lot about him, because oftentimes we, we can't get a cat or a dog because I'm allergic to both, as is my oldest daughter, JC. So we got a rabbit. Well, what's that natural feeling we try and teach? We, we try and make the rabbit kind of like a dog or a cat. Right. And even though he is kind of cattish, he's like upstairs right now running around without us. He's he is indeed a rabbit, and sometimes when the girls are trying to do things with him that are kind of doggish, he don't like he. He don't like he, and we say, girls, you have to respect his rabbitness, just like you have to respect the ocean. Mm-hmm. You have to respect who he is, and not try and make him something different. If you respect who he is, you're going to love and enjoy him, and he's going to love it back. If you try and push him to be something that he can't be, he's going to bite your finger. Right? You know, it's that simple. Like. What did Cameron do the other day? She stuck her head somewhere. Like, I don't know. And he kind of like kind of bit her. He's He doesn't even hurt. It's like a pinch. It's like a pinch. But regardless, it made her sad. And I said, honey, you're, you're, do, you're not respecting the rabbitness. He doesn't want to bite you. He doesn't want to hurt you. That's the last thing that, you know, he wants to do. But you are scaring him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's bothering him. And this is a metaphor for the ocean, Greeley, for our children, for ourselves, respect. And it's funny because my friend Annie, who's been on this show before, Annie Burnside, who's an author um, and, you know, a a spiritual uh, teacher, she talks about in her book about respecting her own Annie-ness, which is true for everybody. Respect your Toddness, respect your Kathiness. is that there are certain ways that we are. I I have a good example of that. Let's hear it. Your Kathiness is, you love to have fun and go out, but really you also love... Being at home, not and just having downtime for sure. And I, that's the Kathiness and the Toddness is sometimes I just like to go out and be social and be out there and be extroverted. So that's a balance that you and yeah, I have absolutely. had to strike because absolutely. sometimes I don't want to stay in, right? And I stay in, and sometimes you don't really feel like going out, and, and I you to. go out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. well, exactly. And there is instead of saying it should be this way, it's this is your Kathiness, this is your Toddness, and there is no way it's supposed to be just like with the Oscars. Mm-hmm. See how I'm pulling it in? Nice. There is no way, or there is not one person who decides who gets to win. There are many. Right. There are many. Um, you know, different ways to be and that with the ocean, with rabbits, with ourselves, with our children, we have to allow for that, that Ness. Yeah. N-E-S-S. It's all about Elliot Ness. It's all about Ness. It's about, it's about the Ness. That's right. Um, okay. So our next partner is Tree of Life. They're a chiropractor. Yep. Dr. Kelly does an amazing job and their number there is 630-941-8733. You know what? Speaking of, I just, I'm awful with voicemail. Like I'm great with text and email and voicemail. I don't listen to it. And people who know me well know that. Yeah. But on Thursday, I had a really bad headache, really bad. Yeah. Um, and I was totally incapacitated. And then you guys went to the chiropractor. I couldn't even go, which yeah, is Yeah, you couldn't sit I up. I couldn't even get up. On Friday, Dr. Kelly called me and said, if you want me to come in, I will adjust you. How nice is that? Wow. I didn't get – and then when I saw her on Saturday, she said, you get my message? And I said, no. But that was really nice. So basically what you're describing is Dr. Kelly doesn't have Friday hours typically. No. And she called you – Called me. On your cell phone. Yes. To say, I will go into my office for you. Yes. That's amazing. I know. And She's so a rock star. That's just the That's why we love Dr. Kelly. I know. So chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. So let's briefly talk about our 10-year-old. Okay. So um, – the specifics aren't really that important, but there was... Well, it, she just had an emotional reaction the other day to something, and 
Um, I responded to it in a certain way and you responded to it in a certain way. And it, and it ended up being fine. It was a minor, it was one of those, like she got angry about She something. got mad and she ended up walking away. Right. Which and, is what we've taught her which her is whole what, life. So it was kind of confusing to her, but I kind of, in that moment, I'm, I have a cooler head now, but I'm like, she's disrespecting us right. and she's walking away, even though we're asking her to stay there. And uh, so my egoish dad brain says, come back here. I'm talking to you. Right. And she walked away. And it's funny because to your point, she did exactly what we tell her to do. If you are frustrated, give yourself some space. Right. So she was walking outside and she was, and she, even though I was calling for her, she kept walking. Right. And that has never happened. Right. Or not happened since probably toddlerhood. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. like that. Right. And um, so we, so I, I don't know how far we want to go into well, the story. It wasn't like a huge deal, but we brought her in, we talked to her, and everything else. And she was frustrated. She's like, "You've always told, you've always told me <laughs> to get if if I can't deal with something, to go breathe, to go take some space." So I thought she was being defiant, uh-huh. and she thought that she was doing making exact, a good choice, making a good choice. And she was, I know. and that is the difficult part about you know the reason I think Todd wanted to share this story is how challenging it can be to notice the difference. Um, Because sometimes our girls do it and they're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of annoyed. I'll go take a break. But when you're really mad, it can feel to everybody else like defiance. And Todd and I really needed to back away and to let her go and to sit in the discomfort of she's really angry and standing outside and it's dark Mm -hmm. and that we don't need to do anything. And once she was done and she came back in and she went up to her room for a little bit and I went and talked to her probably 30 minutes later and and there was no like, okay, tell me about it. I knocked on the door. I had some of her clothes. I said, are you feeling a little better? And she's like, yeah. And then I said, what made you so mad? You know, kind of more conversational rather than we need to have a talk. Like we really don't because she did exactly what she was supposed to do. She did what's best for her. Um, And so it really wasn't about JC as much as I think it was about Todd and I. In the moment, I'm like, this is 100% about this young girl because she's not behaving the way I want her to be. Right. Or it was different than you had experienced. Right. In in retrospect, it was 95% about me. And 5% about her. And the other part that I talked to Todd about um, is that she's 11. She's going to be 11 in a few weeks. And this is when we talk about pre-adolescence and we talk about teenage years, we have to understand that they don't just become like, they don't just decide to be difficult. There are things going on in their bodies because of puberty, hormones, um, shifting perspectives, dealing with more challenges in life that cause things to be a little more tumultu- tumultuous. I've used that word twice in the show. It's a lot of syllables. I don't like that word. It's hard okay. to say. A little more challenging than typical. So their response to things is a little bigger. Like, do you remember last week when we were talking about the prefrontal cortex? Yes. And we were also talking about how kids have bigger dopamine releases. The experiences they have are bigger. When they fall in love, it's bigger. When they're mad, it's bigger. We have such a huge perspective now because we're so old Mm -hmm. that something can happen and we'll go, eh, you know, big deal. Right. She doesn't have that yet. It's big. Right. And so her reaction is going to be bigger. And I think for parents of pre-adolescents and teenagers, it doesn't mean that it's okay for them to disrespect us or it's not okay for them to, you know, hurt themselves or hurt someone else. But what I'm saying is instead of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're that way or why are you that way or making them feel bad about who they are, help them understand after the fact, 
of why that can happen and be so big. So they can have perspective on it rather than say, that's who I am. Like I was just reading, uh, rereading part of Eckhart Tolle's book, and he was talking about there was such great language with kids. What we're trying to – Eckhart talks about having a pain body and the pain body is basically all of our experiences and the way we view things and it's past kind of experiences. Past experiences. That has been kind of pushed down inside Collective your, unconsciousness yeah. experiences about women, about race, about – you know, it's all this like stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of – some when we get agitated, it takes over mm-hmm. and we kind of lose ourselves and we go into our head. We get out of our heart and the pain body really takes over. Our job with our kids is to – when they're in a pain body experience, to recognize it so we don't try and fight against it. And then when it's over, to help – I don't – I didn't use the word pain body with, with Jace, but to help her recognize that that is not her, meaning, you know, you were really angry. It happens to the best of us, but can you see why? Right. Can you understand? Can you – you know – having them have a sense of separation. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of kids, when they get really angry – they start thinking, wow, I'm a really bad person. Right. Well, and then there's one very important uh, distinction that I need to make. When I was talking to her, I didn't handle it perfectly, but one thing I did do well is I think a lot of parents will say, don't you dare disrespect me. Mm. And one thing I said, instead of saying something like that, it was, in this family, we respect each other. And and it's it, what's the difference? Why am I making a big deal out of those two phrases? It's because I can't stand it when parents say that I deserve respect. And by definition, it's as if they don't deserve as much respect as I do. In this family, we respect each other. In this family, we don't talk back to each other. It's not in this family... You don't talk back to your dad. Right. Or in this family, you need to- It's not this huge hierarchy where we get all the respect and they don't. And I know a lot of parents would disagree with me and um, saying, no, there is a hierarchy. And and that- Well, we're in charge because we're the adults. I know, but not- There's crazy parents out there that think that um, everything flows from the top down. Right. And I- I don't know if I'm explaining this as well as I can, but there is a flatness. There is a levelness is where it's not- how you treat me. It's how we all treat each other. Life is relational. Yeah. It's it's about relationships between each other and honoring who everybody is at every point in their life. Of course, an adult should be in charge, yes. not in control, in charge over a four-year-old. Yes. But a four-year-old's opinion and their experiences are just as valuable. Thank you. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's what you write about in your books, which Folly writes in her books. Relational. And all the other really good parenting books out there. So, oh, anyways. thank you. Um, all right. So that's JC. I feel good about that talk. Good. Um, so this is a little bit lighter subject. Um, last, I want to talk about um, Avid Company. They are our third and awesome sp- uh, sponsor. Um, they do painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. Give Jeremy a call, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. Um, we were on your way to your sister's on Saturday, uh-huh. and we were talking about Frozen. We've been listening to that song, which I have fallen in love with. Yeah, now. Now, it took After, me a while. Because Todd slept through the movie the first time. Yeah, we watched it on Thanksgiving in Seattle with my brother, and I tend to fall asleep during movies because usually we eat first and I get tired, and I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Todd, you fall asleep even when we don't eat first. I hate to say that, but... I fall asleep. I love naps. I know, man. You fell asleep. Where were you? We were driving home from my sister's, and you fell asleep. I knocked out a half hour right I there. Know. It was beautiful. I know. So anyways, um, so... These girls have seen the movie a bunch of times. I've never seen it really because I was asleep half of it. But I, 
for the first time in a while, I was completely interested in what they had to say about some form of entertainment. Because usually I'm kind of poo-pooing either their computer games or I'm poo-pooing the silly show they're watching. But I was like, okay, so help me understand what happened in Frozen. And they loved telling me that story. They loved everything about it. They loved the fact that they knew something that their dad didn't. Mm -hmm. They loved the fact that um, I was interested, which is something I'm rarely interested in. So if you want to get your kids into a good mood, this is just like a tool for you to pull out of your toolbox. Just become interested in something that you rarely get interested in with your kids. Sit down and say, tell me what the goal of Minecraft is. Yes. Tell me what this guy's name is. You don't have to do this for 30 minutes. Do a five minute, okay, tell me what this is. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's twofold. Number one, like Todd said, they love telling you things that they love. I mean, who doesn't? You know, if somebody talks to, you know, comes up to me and says, hey, tell me about BU or mm-hmm. tell me about Zen Parenting or tell me about, you know, what you write about or talk about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hello. This yeah. is, you know, this is what I love. This right. is a sweet spot. Same with you with yeah. anything else that we're doing. Same kind of stuff. Kids love that. They love to share of themselves. So it can be whatever they're interested in, you know, if it be like Todd said, a movie or a video game or and, – and, you know, there's a balance. It doesn't mean that they get to watch movies all the time and right. it doesn't – you know, there's a balance there. You know, you also – I love it when my girls love a good book. Right. That it, the joy of watching the girls go from reading as something they have to learn to reading as For something to of, relax yeah. – is so such a joy. And my sister told me, I remember she said, Kathy, wait till third grade. Something happens in third grade where they, you know, and I've totally seen that. And we didn't believe it because... It was hard to see because yeah. all the girls needed a little support with reading at mm-hmm. the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, like where, you know, what the school said, where the school said they should be. Right. They weren't, you know, meeting that demand, <laughs> which you and I were kind of like, whatever. Um, but they... All of a sudden, it's become this joy. Mm -hmm. And to say, tell me about that book Mm -hmm. is like, okay. Well, and I remember I took a customer out to dinner one time, and his daughter came with, and she brought a book with. And at the time, our oldest was like five. Yeah. And she was reading a book while we were eating. I'm like, how awesome is that? I love that. And now these kids are bringing books with them to go eat. And, you know, there's a part of it that I don't like because it's about interaction. But there's other times where I can care less. I just want to talk to you. And I'm glad she's not asking me a million questions. And the fact that they bring books because they love to read this book is quite amazing. And the books give me insight to who they are. Mm -hmm. Like Cameron loves graphic novels. And she likes adventure graphic novels. It tells me so much about her inner workings that I don't need to go into here, but I can now visualize what intrigues her. Mm -hmm. And JC likes classic novels. She likes Three Musketeers Mm -hmm. and she like you know, she likes these books that have kind of an old spin. You know? Um, And it just tells me so much about her. So not only is it fun that they're reading, blah, blah, blah. It also gives you information about who they are. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to come out sounding right, but I think I have a pretty good idea on what makes JC tick and I have a pretty good idea on what makes Skylar tick. I'm still a little curious about Cameron. Really? Well, I just, she's more of a mystery to me out of my three children. That is so funny because she's just like me. Am I a mystery to you? 
Sort of sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. So basically what you're saying is you can identify more with JC and Skylar's yes. needs. Yes. And see, because Cameron is – I understand when she's having an experience, I can use – I'm not saying I know everything because she's her own person. She's not me. But I can usually understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Like there are times when she's saying something and you're saying something back and I'm like, wait a second. Right. She's trying to say. Right. And, you know, I understand that kind of – she's a little more right-brained. Right. Um, and then this is kind of another kind of random thought, but I remember either as maybe a little kid or teenager and older parents would talk about their kids and how they all think they're beautiful and all that. And you can't tell the difference between them because they're your kids. And I used to be like, you know, which of your kids is just more empirically, physically attractive and all that. I don't have any clue if any of my three daughters are the ugliest people in the world (laughs) because they are strikingly beautiful to me Yeah, and I cannot separate that i cannot Uh distinguish between uh their beauty like i don't know it's just a weird thing well beauty and again the definition of like Like, odds are one of the three is probably more empirically beautiful than the The thing is is that well empirically means like you know you survey a thousand people like that that whole thing but my point is i would never be able to distinguish which one because they are all 100 percent beautiful to me from the inside and the outside exactly because that's what i was going to say is you can do all those empirical things or whatever but when you know somebody you experience their beauty in such a different way where obviously you know there's the the outside but they each have these like really beautiful internal things that they do and say and they're all very different so it's like it's not the same the way that they express themselves or they handle things it's very very different and when you see it and you see it repeated mm. you're like oh that's their natural right. you know and it's beautiful especially when it's different than ours right. because then you see it with like different eyes where you're like wow i wish i could do that right. Right. <laughs> you know sometimes the way the girls are with certain things i'm like man i wish i could let that go um 19 hit me 20 hit me 21 hit me 22 <laughs> <laughs> sorry i already played that one but it's a good one i know i don't know what this one is. what's this oh that's gonna give me some hate mail Holy random sound clips. You know Batman. what I just saw? What? Oh, okay. I was watching a movie. I was watching The Switch the other night with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston. I've been watching that movie for like two years. <laughs> Has anyone else seen that movie? No. I love that movie. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> But there's a one – he gets really uh, drunk one night and the next morning he comes into work and he has Alka-Seltzer. And I thought to myself, nobody really has Alka-Seltzer. Do people still use Alka-Seltzer? Well, that was kind of my point is it's – that feels as old as that ad. And in the movie, they have him doing it <laughs> As if it's a normal thing. Totally. Nobody does that. I'm sure that there's plenty. It's like smokers. I know there's billions of people who smoke, but I don't ever see anybody smoking anymore. Really? No. Outside of restaurants and Maybe bars? it's because I don't go to bars anymore. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. So last but not least, we have a few different um, ladies wrote in about the same topic. Okay. And I feel like it's worthy of talking about. Um, this one woman says, I've been on a journey to more mindful parenting for a while now and really like feel like I'm moving in the right direction for myself and my children. However, my husband is a more of a traditional mindset as our children are getting older. We're starting to have more disagreements about how to handle misbehavior. And then the other lady basically says the same thing, but I'm going to read it. How do you get your husband on board with what you really feel is important in parenting? I feel like I myself am evolving. I'm really working on myself, but I feel like my husband is stuck and so on. And that's just short clips of it. So the first thing I'll say before I want you get your two cents in is that we talked a little bit about this on zenparentingradio.com slash 144. 
And the title what of it was, was title? Are You on the Same Page as Your Spouse? Okay. I don't have a clue what we talked about. So if day. you would go to zenparentingradio.com and put spouse in the search engine, it would come up. Yes, or okay. page, yeah. So, okay. so anyways, but because here we're in the present moment, okay. do you have uh, two cents for well, our I, friends? I kind of feel like this experience, it's not, you know, it's not about how do I get my husband to think the way I do. And if that's really the way you're thinking, that's not good because mm-hmm. obviously you both have things to offer. I think it's being able to respect where they are now and why they are where they are and having those conversations about, I want to hear you and I want to listen to what you have to say um, and and not, not put your spouse um, in a position to be defensive. Right. Because I think once we put our spouses in a position to be defensive, their whole ability to listen to you shuts down. And I think that's not because they're jerks. I think that's human nature. Right. You know, like if I come at you and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong what are you going to do back? You're going to say, listen, you know, I'm not wrong. And here's why we get into this defensive mode. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to win versus, you know, if you, first of all, you need to have time Mm -hmm. to discuss this. I think the first thing um, that you need to create space space to discuss it, like dates, which is really challenging to do unless you're making a big commitment to do it. Right. Because what we try and do is we try and discipline and we try and raise our kids on the fly. And we try and um, make choices in the moment when we've never even discussed the bigger picture. Like if Todd and I are really trying to decide something like, should the girls get a computer? Should our daughter be able to go on this overnight? Should We have to really sit down and discuss why. Part of it is because I've learned I've got to say my fears out loud Mm -hmm. so I can either recognize how ridiculous they are or how I can acknowledge how maybe that's a good point, Kathy, and and same with you. Right. I have to hear where you're coming from. And oftentimes it turns out you're a little more calming about it and I'm a little more, you know, emotional emotional about it. And that's good. Like meaning that Todd's not, we, we come at it with our strengths and then make a decision. And the truth is, is that there are times when we, like the other day, Todd, I came home. I wanted to watch figure skating. You know, I'd been gone. Todd thought the girls had been on technology all day. So when I walked in, JC said, can I watch more figure skating? I'm like, yes, yes, I want to watch. And Todd walked in and said, I gave her time, 20 minutes. Technology needs to be off. So I said, so I said, okay, can we just watch this one more girl? Mm -hmm. We watched, we finished her. And I said, okay, JC, everything's got to go off. Your dad already said, he had already set this limit. That's not what I wanted, right. and nor do I think that they necessarily needed it. But you had already created that, yeah. so I needed to respect that. Even yeah, even though you wanted to sit down and watch figure skating yes. with your daughters, yes. it it went against what she and I had previously agreed upon. So you basically put your own needs aside for the sake of us being on the same page. Exactly. And then if I felt uncomfortable with that, like I was like, okay, this is not something I want to do again, I have to approach you and say, we need to discuss that decision yeah. in in a kind way, not a you're a jerk way, but in a, we need to discuss that because that was really uncomfortable for me. Right. The reason why this question that these ladies are asking is so big is because you already have to have a way of communicating with each other where you're respecting each other. Right. And a lot of times our communication with our spouse is is not – it's the unspoken. We're, we're kind of playing a role or we're being passive aggressive or we are never saying what we really feel and we're hoping that they get us. And you don't do the work to have them help you get it. Yeah. Seek first to understand, then to, then be, to be understood. understood. Stephen Covey. And the other piece is, is, which is super important we talk about on the show, somebody's got to start. Women will often say to me about their spouses, but he doesn't do that, but he doesn't do that. Well, 
somebody's got to start because what you're basically saying is he should start first. Well, why? Why don't you start and see if that makes some shifts? It's not going to change everything. When I say start, I mean, be, you know, be a good listener, respect what he has to say. Don't be defensive. Have gratitude for what he's doing. Notice what, if you want someone to notice what you're doing, notice what What they're they're doing. doing. And and then comes the place where we always have to – I have to say this as a therapist because I think it's in everyone's best interest. If you're at a place where there is just no room to have a discussion, no one is listening, there's yelling, maybe you're afraid, intimidated, you need support. Help, yeah. Get a therapist. Get a coach because a radio show is not going to solve all these issues. Right. You may need some new tools mm-hmm. to deal with this issue. So, Well, well done, sweetie. Nice okay. job. Thanks. Um, so we're 43 minutes in, so we're a little behind schedule. Okay. Uh, a few promotional things. Um, uh, I'm doing my adventure retreat with the guys this weekend, so I'm just awesome. excited. Todd is Todd and Frank, um, who Todd and Frank are, they work together to do their men's group and to do this men's retreat. They've worked so hard on this, and and I don't mean like with their hands. I mean coming together and talking about the best ways to you know get, get these connect these men connect these men to have fun mm-hmm. to to revel in your manhood. That's that's, right. a, that's an annoying way to say it, but to also really go to a deeper level. And um, it's going to be a blast. I I'm just can't so wait to excited. hear about it. Yeah, um, but I will say that if there's any men in the Chicagoland area that want to join uh, my men's group, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com, and I'll get you more information. So, and then you have two books that I'd like you to promote, please, so we can make some money. <laughs> the Self-Aware Parent and The Self-Aware Parent 2, kathycadams.com, or you can go to Amazon. And I think I made a decision about my third book that I'll wait to share Ooh, another time. A teaser. Yes, because it's got to, I got to get it out there. It's like a baby that's been in for gestation. 24 months. Yeah. It's a long gestation it is, period. It is. So yeah, kathycadams.com and zenparentingradio.com is our website. And give us a review. And we love each and every one of you for listening. Thank you. Adios. Adios.